don't know what that means. Yeah, at at, uh, at odds, like one of those uh, twenty all over the place. Right. Uh, what never? I don't. I. What's the link mean? Like, what is? Oh, we, uh, we're no, I get that. But why is it sixes and sevens if you're all over the place? Don't know. Okay. Don't know. All right. Topic for another show. Sure. Topic for an English idiom podcast. Uh, a pair of idioms would like be the name it. of that one. Yeah. And the uh, and the four other duplicate named podcasts like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm trying to open a one, beer. Yeah, with the one hand <laughs> can on. pop. No, nah, it's not working. No. <laughs> this is not good. I'm a professional, Dave. Yeah, there we go. Bloody professional. Right. How are you? Very well. You? Good. We've started the show. Yeah. Uh, the beer that I'm opening is uh, a crazy American lost in Belgium. Now, there's a picture of Donald Trump. Sure. A cartoon. Not quite sure what's going on. He's got sat nav. Is that what's going He's on? He's got sat nav on a, on a tablet. Yeah. Or I'm guessing it's just an enlarged phone. Okay. What is a tablet if it's not an enlarged, enlarged phone? That's exactly uh, right. And he's got a goblet. Uh, I don't know what the, the... It's just kind of a generic Belgian-y looking goblet. Looks like it. I thought Duval because the colours. Maybe. Kind of Duval. Uh, the brewery is Red Hill Brewery. Did I say that yet? No, you didn't. Okay. Now, um, if I'm not much mistaken, this is one that they brewed for a Gabs beer, I want to say, yeah. a few years ago. Maybe last year? No, it was early. Early. Okay. So It's uh, weird. Like, I don't know. I see a Donald Trump label and I'm like, uh, yeah, it's. I don't know if we can. It's done a bit. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, um, they they certainly were much earlier than. For sure. On it. Um and it's not a pro Donald Trump. I think it was when like Belgian IPAs. That was a there was a little stage there. No, wasn't th- it? I think this was a little bit later than that. Was it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because that Belgian IPA. Or maybe there was a different beer, like a different. Uh, a formidable beer, Belgian. Need we say more? They go on. Strong, fruity, and yeasty. Understated. Then boom! This crazy American influence has invaded the brew house and dangerously hopped this beer. Uh, blah blah blah. Okay. I, I started reading nice. like, and, and I'm like, I don't want to read this whole thing. <laughs> uh, I like Red Hill. Hashtag freebie. Thanks, mm-hmm. Red Hill. I, I always quite liked a hoppy Belgian, uh, a hoppy, sorry, a hoppy beer with a Belgian yeast. Yeah. It's always a good time. Yeah, they're funny though, because they're a bit hit and miss though. Like there yeah. are some absolute belters and some that get a bit muddled. Mm. Uh, one of my favourite all-time beers, if not my favourite all-time beer, was probably XX from Duranka. XXX, isn't it? Your favourite one? Or just XX? No, Triple X was like a fresh hop version. Right. Uh, it's fine. The original, though, I think is... And it's, yeah, it, it is really good. And it ate, like when you have it fresh, it's, it's glorious. But it ages really well. This is nice. This is like real real gentle and smooth. Mm. But I uh, I really enjoy the I like the yeast in that. Mm, that's what I was thinking. That they're bloody yeasty, yeasty good time. That's actually a great beer. Red Hill do make great beers. It's a pretty soft mouthfeel as well. Yeah, they do. Like probably the probably in the lifetime of the new wave of craft beer, probably the most consistent in execution. Hmm. Yeah, I can't recall having something that I was nah. had issue with. Absolutely not. Um, certainly within that that style of of I guess traditional. Definitely, they've ventured out now and again, but like, if you get the, they used to make a Brewers Pilsner that was always like an absolute classic. If you get that, they make a Weizen as well. I think that's mm. always a pretty good one. Um, so they've rebranded recently. I think we talked about that. Um, I've actually been meaning to have a chat with them and hopefully get them uh, a re uh, another addition to the Molly Rose project. Um, was what we were aiming for for them talking about design so yeah well, we should make that happen uh how are you do we do this great already? uh maybe we did it not on mic mm. yeah good good we're both um or maybe we should save that for the next bit uh we've both been mate festing yeah no let's talk about that do it now yeah i, I guess oh, you wanted to go with the refreshed format of having news elsewhere in the show nah let's just do it yeah. i'm um i will say uh, i'm a little bit flat because yep. Matefest, I was hosting the panel talks. Yep. So I've had, you know, formal conversations with 22 brewers yep. from around the world. Big couple of days. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a few beers. I didn't, certainly didn't get shit-faced or anything. Yeah. It's just general tiredness. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things to remember because every brewery was kind of new to me. Yeah. That was kind of, that was like what, that was my favourite aspect of the festival. Mm. It's like, in, like these days, how often, especially like... It's my local. It couldn't be more local to me, but going in and 
seeing pretty much 95% producers that you've never heard of before. Mm. It was fun. It was weird, like, doing those sorts of panels. You normally know who you're sitting with. And yeah. I certainly didn't have time to study every brewery um, and every name and who they were. So the, the question quite often is, tell us about your brewery. Yeah. But I, I know the answer. But in this case... Tell us about yeah, your brewery. It's news to me. <laughs> what, are we, yeah. what are we doing here? What yeah. is this? Um, some really good, some really good yeah. beer. Uh, and I'll also, we, we went along to one of them. Um, I think it was the Sun Mai uh, masterclass, and uh, like out of uh, Taiwan. Yeah, that made us just want to go to Taiwan. Yeah. So uh, one of the interesting things to come out of the whole all the conversations was um, Hong Kong. We had a few Hong Kong breweries there and taiwan the audiences there are really into like the the target market or the people that are you know going to be buying your product are really into cocktails and wine right so you don't need to you don't need to just go line and length yeah yeah yeah. so like um one of the hong kong breweries sorry apologies for not remembering who it was but they had a they had a heaven hill barrel scotch ale oh it was great yeah yeah i had that one yeah what was their name Anyway, apologies. Uh, yeah, I can't think of it. Um, either. They were... Um, Yard, Yardley? No, well, it was a different Hong Kong one. I yeah. Think. Anyway, yeah. Uh, and I sort of said, you know, how do you like, how do you sell this in Hong Kong? This is the opposite of the beer that I'd expect in Hong Kong. And he said, you know, everywhere's got aircon. People are used to drinking cocktails. So a scotch ale and a bourbon barrel is, you know, it's an old-fashioned sure. cocktail in that sense. That really took my interest because... Uh, I don't know if it's a detractor for, uh, of the festival, but personally, I got like overwhelmed and intimidated by the uh, ABV across the board. Yeah. Uh, like I was like, how if I'm going to be here for a while, I need to be strategic with what I'm drinking here because uh, a lot of the beers were sort of like eight plus percent. There was a lot of double digits as well. Mm. Um so when I was like, I'm ready for something, like I started off, I think I, I tapped the brakes a little bit and just took an old mate tin yeah. around for a little while just so I could regulate a little bit. Um, but then I was like, oh yeah, I'm ready for something a little bit uh, heftier, but I'm not really into a massive barrel mm. imperial stout or whatever. So I was like, well, what's around? And I saw this barrel aged scotch and I'm like, hell yeah. Mm. If that's even sort of executed well that's going to be what i want to drink it was good mm. i don't think i actually tried it yeah right that yeah, was nice um, <laughs> yeah the, doing these hosting things you don't actually try any beers you just kind of wave your glass around and sure. maybe it'll get filled <laughs> and maybe it won't it was um a throwback a little bit like no one's brewing scotch ales anymore there's a few around but there was a little while where that was a seasonal sort of What's, offering uh, crown cola from bracer but that's a scotch ale. Yeah, yeah so that's bourbon scotch ale yeah and that the one that came out at the start of this year, I yeah, May, uh, March, yeah, was awesome. Yeah, so I don't know what the ingredient variance is, but this is kind of this was kind of more like I don't know, a little bit earthier. Um, the it didn't really have it wouldn't have I don't think it would have been a was was the the one at Matefest in bourbon barrels. Yeah, I think so. Was it because yeah. it wasn't quite as sweet uh, sweet barrel characteristics is the crown cola um the brewery sorry is heroes beer co yeah right they had some like the the, the merch stand was actually great mm. first all the everyone had pretty cool stuff there and they, they had some pretty good merch um yeah they were they were cool um uh, who was really interesting um young master from from Hong Kong, yeah, another one of the Hong Kong contingent, and the Hong Kong contingent was strong. There was Heroes, there was um, Yardley Brothers, there was Young Master, and there was one more. Uh, oh no, that was it. Um, yeah, the Young Master for the masterclass. She brought along a um, Stella, the sales rep. She brought along a Magnum of an Imperial Stout, their sixth birthday beer. Fun. Um, and yeah, I got a fortunate taste of that one. It was delicious, nice. really good. And I think a lot of like the crowd was like, "Oh yeah, that's some serious." That's good. Um, and you know, having someone from Hong Kong turning up uh, with a magnum of imperial stout, like, yeah, that's a fun. 
That's like one of those games where you make up the sentence with different tiles. <laughs> yeah. Um, the actual festival itself was, uh, from what I saw, well attended and people seemed to be having fun. Yeah. Um, you know what it made me think of? You know how we used to talk about festivals having to evolve away from trestle tables and pale ales? Mm. Like the idea of just jockey boxes and a couple of beers from each uh, producer. I've like gone full circle and back to like, yeah, that's kind of what I want to see at the moment. Yeah, yeah. but there wasn't a pale ale. No, 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 that's true. <laughs> it was the, um, it was a much more, oh, it was a couple of pale ales, I think. Oh, but there? Yeah, uh, but they, I mean like variants of pale ales. I think yeah. a couple of them were my picks of the festival as well so um but uh yeah but just that bare bones the people that were manning the stations cared about the mm. brands and that everything was real fun uh yeah it was good i had a speaking of that, i guess that easier drinking styles there was a kolsch from magpie it was really good yeah, yeah really good apparently that's their, their biggest seller cucumber i'm pretty sure no that was the pills oh, from what was heart the, of darkness there was a Addition to the culture, though, I'm certain of it. Uh, the one that wow. I had, they might have changed it. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, it was lovely, lovely stuff. Um, Bench Brewery out of Canada were, were really fun. I, didn't, I hadn't heard of them before. No, never. Uh, doing some sort of mixed ferment, wild ferment stuff. Yep. Uh, and also, all the, um, it seemed to be, I mean, I don't, maybe I'm just out of touch with masterclasses, but all the masterclasses seem to be really well attended and appreciated. That'll be uh, my influence, I think. Yeah, I think so. so uh, people just keep coming back for, for a bit of for LR. The, the old yeah. Luke. Um, no, I'm always constantly surprised as well that people... Was it just organic interest or did they push it? Did they push the... We didn't really push it. And in the past, we've you kind of expect to. Yeah. Uh, you know, you need to kind of drag people in. Uh, but once people come along to the first one, we had a lot of people coming back. Uh, yeah right you know, there's certain breweries that people were really interested in but you know i thought collective arts would have been the highest attended one because they, they when was that in the festival that was saturday saturday the second session yeah i think it was um but to be honest it would have been the last one that was the most well attended with uh fierce from scotland yeah Bibliotech from sweden they had a great beer from Bibliotech. i can't even think of what it was but it yeah, was their, a ripper their beers were the realness and people were Talking them up, yeah. Um, and Halatau from New Zealand, Halatau. Uh, oh, the Bibliotheque, they had a mixed ferment. Mm. It was delicious. Yeah, mm. really good. Yeah, they, they're certainly really, really on my radar mm. now. Um, Halatau, for those that were at the masterclass, would know that they didn't take it super seriously. Um, the, the masterclass, yeah, yeah, yeah right. So it was the brewer and the owner, uh, Steve, who uh, took off his pants at one point. Okay. He was wearing some stubbies. Sure. Uh, the sales rep ended up jumping on the microphone and answering all the standard questions really quickly. Right. Uh, it was a bit of, you know, a bit of carry on. Okay. Some brewer's larks. Okay. Uh, yeah. Would it have been repeated like, if it wasn't the last masterclass of the festival? I think they were leaning into it. Yeah. They fair probably enough. weren't as drunk as they made out. Uh, they were having a good time, though. All right. Nice. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. But yeah, I was like impressed because the way it was set up. If you were outside, in the outside section, you could see across to where the masterclass thing was. And mm. I kept noticing that, like, yeah, every session seemed to be pretty well attended and people enjoying themselves. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I certainly wouldn't, before I started doing these sorts of things, I'd never think to do them, to go to yeah. one. Um, and then you go to a couple and you're like, oh, it's actually, you know, the Gabs one's always really fun. Um, you know, you get a free paddle of beer and in this case, you know, three free pours. Yeah, and, and then you get added context to... And it, I think it means you don't have to think yeah. at a beer festival, you know, because yeah, a lot of beer festivals are like, so okay, where, the stress is about choosing do, what you're going to have. Yeah, where do we go next? What do you want to get? Oh, but if you've just got... Just something served yeah, up to you. Yeah. Someone's going to pour it into your glass. Maybe you might not have even tried that if it was up to you yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, I, I'm assuming it'll happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I wonder what, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a lot of re- return visitors because it's sort of the friends they've made on the journey so far and I imagine they won't like try and... Yeah, so yeah. I, don't, I think some of them are already planning to come back to Australia and, you know, for a good beer week or something like yeah. that, um, which is cool. I wonder how they'll do it as well because they're not going to have the space in the same area. They've got other space. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> That's a giant. Probably downstairs <laughs> yeah. maybe, yeah, they might be able to do something, yeah. Yeah. Um, the actual bar was heaving as well. Yeah, it always is. Yeah, Moon Dog. It's a big. Fucking I think they're. Place. Um, I had a chat with Carl 
briefly. Um, I think they're quite pleased with how things are happening mm. thus far. Yeah, mm. I think they'll be pleased when they're brewing out of there. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Mayfest. Anything you wanted to add? Um, I was like a late minute, last minute in. We were almost not going to go, and then we're like. This is kind of like it's around, like literally around the corner, and it's also like there's not many times where you're not going to really have any idea about what the beers are going to be. That's pretty fun too. Mm. It's Mm. always fun to be at the first of something to see the hits and misses, whatever that might be. Mm. Um, Yeah, I mean, yeah, we had a good time. I was like, the novelty for me was definitely almost being a newbie again. It's kind of fun to check out. Like, it didn't seem to be a real typical beer festival crowd either yeah the crowd was um diverse yeah uh probably one of the most diverse crowds i've seen yeah yeah um yeah and that i think it was you know that was somewhat reflected in the the breweries as well yeah um there was certainly a lot of the asian breweries especially were australians or english or americans that have started or working there so I, i expected probably more Asian people mm-hmm. uh, behind stands, and um, but yeah, I think the diversity is coming. It was getting built around. These, yeah, these and it seems to be like more indicative of the Moon Dog World demo rather than like beer yeah, demo. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I had a good time. Um. Yeah. 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 Oh, did you see the magician, Mister? I did Marmalade? see him. I didn't. Um, he was great. Yeah, did you get a magic trick? Well, we had a couple. He was, of, he was roving around doing personal. Little yeah, he had a little. He had a little briefcase that had like flip out legs to make a stand for him to show his wares on. Yeah, and we sort of like um, we sidled up to an in progress uh, session, and he was like very talented and like blowing drunk people's minds. And mm. then he sort of wandered up to us again a bit later and just set up right in front of us and did some stuff. And he didn't repeat any tricks, and he uh, certainly had the crowd going. Um, he was great. He was a showman too. So, Mister Marmalade, I would recommend if anyone's out there looking for a magician to uh, a roving to magician. Hire. Yeah, he was it's good. A, it's a good idea. Yeah, keeps people engaged. I guess keeps people engaged. Yeah, he was very. Uh, I'm sure he's done that kind of thing a lot because he was he was a pro. Yeah, they hired someone that yeah. had worked as a magician yeah. before. Yeah. Yeah, absolute pro. <laughs> um, hey, founders first. Speaking, let's move on a little bit. Uh, you across this founders first? I'm not. So this is um, it's an investment group uh, started. I think their first investment was Jetty Road, uh, okay, brewery down in Fane Andrews Beach. Mm-hmm. Is that? Yeah, around there anyway. Yeah. Um, and now they've got Source Brewing or invested in Source Brewing, um, Foghorn Brewery, Ballistic, recently Ballistic. Um, and then Slipstream Brewery, also up in Queensland. Right. And now Brogan's Way Gin. I've not heard of Brogan's Way Gin. So Brogan's Way uh, near Moondog. Uh, sorry, Mountain Goat on that same street no, here okay. in Melbourne. Oh, I didn't realise um, they were there. Or same area at least. Yeah, I haven't okay. actually been there. Um, so it's do they have a tasting room? Or just yeah, I think they do, yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I kind of been meaning to get along and, That's a and have a taste. extra addition to a fun area already, yeah. Yeah, I've been had a few drinks around there recently and I didn't think to... To pop in. Um, but yeah, so this is an interesting, I don't know, it's almost like a... So it's like an, an equity group yeah. who are uh, like-minded enough to want to invest in beer brands. Yeah, yeah. And now and now gin. Now gin as well. I, see, I, it was my understanding it was always just going to be beer. Right. Um, but yeah, gin seems to popped up. So they just want to provide some equity for their target brands to make a push for growth or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the 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 strategy or the end game will probably be a public float. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. See what happens. Good for that. for breweries like Foghorn and your, your slipstream that Definitely. probably. Um, I know Foghorn is in a bit of strife before that happened. Right. Um, you know, one of the business partners decided to to leave because it always felt like they were very uh, content to be a because they're a brew pub model, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, and they seemed well they. The perception and the, the brand seem to be like oh, pretty content to not really expend much past that. Mm. So then I guess if anything goes pear-shaped, then there's not much to fall back on. Yeah. So they're, they're doing pack now. Um, uh, yeah, so well, the Falkhorn are doing pack now. Yeah. So, um, 
I haven't actually tried any of the, the package stuff. No. I don't think I've seen them, to be honest. Yeah. Carlos first. Yeah, right. Spending a lot of cash. Uh, Black Hops. You heard about the recall? Yes. Um, I did see your comments about it, which are pretty hilarious. Yeah. Those Facebook comments. It's people, pretty garbage. People yeah. get weird, are getting weird about it. Yeah. So basically, um, people that aren't aware, Black Hops had a beer in the Canvent calendar from... Beer cartel. Beer cartel, yeah. I uh, think it was the Christmas Eve beer and it was yeah. like some sort of eggnog stout, I D- think. Double eggnog stout. So oh. uh, Black Hop's first beer was an eggnog stout. Um, I think they've always kind of got a bit of a cult following for that one. And they've done a double. Um, and then I think they, they must have, they packaged it too early, I think, and they've come out to yeah, we kind of stuffed got up there. Got some re-fermentation happening, yeah. Um, and I think they must have been warm room testing or just testing or, or <laughs> by accounts also cans of bulging already um so you know people have been advised to get rid of it sure don't take a risk and the reaction from people on facebook was mostly oh so i have to drink it now um you know extra booze yeah it's gonna refermented into extra booze it's like that's yeah <laughs> extra one percent it was a lot of like uh armchair scientists too like extra one percent avbv sounds pretty good to me yeah like, it's like right, i mean it's, it's kind of not there's, there's, there's almost a fundamental misunderstanding of what's going to happen yeah when it referments sure you might end up with with higher ABV but you're going to get off flavors yeah it's um, not what a dryer, was intended yeah, yeah it's not they haven't made the beer to ferment in a can it's not ideal fermentation <laughs> conditions um but people were but, pumped and they also got out quick and strong so yeah yeah um whatever happened prior to that whatever but um yeah it's probably not easy to say yeah. hey and with those advent calendar packs it's it's it sucks for everyone involved because um there's normally some uh hype and excitement around the uh 24th beer it's normally yeah it's normally the showcase yeah. showcase beer and that was the one for this year um so that kind of sucks a little bit because did did you see that aldi have one no that's great um and we decided against getting one this year, but I kind of want to get an Aldi one, yeah. You don't. No? <laughs> no. Uh, I clicked on, and if you are getting an Aldi advent calendar, uh, I don't know, fast forward a minute. <laughs> um, so the beers, you can look online, you can click like Aldi advent spoilers yeah. page, and it's like Heineken, it's Corona, so Peroni. Um, and oh, there'd just, be so many people that'd be like stoked with that, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't think you know if if you're if you know someone that drinks beer and they mostly drink you know Carlton Draft or whatever, yeah, that's probably a bit of fun. Isn't bad. Yeah. Not everyone. That's so funny. Not everyone wants a double eggnog stout. Some people have never tried a Kingfisher, and it might be a fun thing for them to try. That's great. And it, it's yeah, it's a weird. And they're doing gin ones and stuff as well. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they're doing brands of gin, but like advent calendars they blow up they did didn't they last yeah. what four years they've yeah. gone crazy yeah. yeah it is fun i i did i like doing it but yeah um, it's just a bit much yeah every day yeah that's like yeah i don't want to drink every yeah. day <laughs> the responsibility there is too high yeah definitely and then especially if you get precious about not wanting to know like wanting to keep the secret you got to stay off socials yeah nightmare yeah um look there's a lot of other news around I don't think we need to. It's being covered by someone somewhere. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> someone more organised than us. Um, you had a chat with someone. I've got Steve from Lanakai Brewing in Hawaii. Um, it was an interesting chat. Fun, I, yeah. I think I, I don't know if he understood one of the questions. That I didn't quite get the answer that I wanted. Oh, right. Because um, I, I, I hung around and joined the tasting that he was hosting. Um, and it was quite fascinating. The process, so they, they've done a space beer, which has got them a lot of press. Um, and basically they teamed up with NASA to collect, spa- collect yeast from the atmosphere um, and they worked out where you could likely find yeast. So, you know, dense clouds um, above a rainstorm kind of a thing where there's particles that will have, might have yeast attached. Did They basically um, opened the windows on the, the, the rocket ship that was right on the edge of the atmosphere there. So that sucks everything out and then they basically hold the canister out the window effectively collect some yeast, tighten it up, or collect the stuff out there, tighten it up, brought it back to Earth, dug through what they've collected and found yeast. Um, Crazy. And then, then made a beer with it. And the 
beer was lovely, um, but he said it's they had there's no real um, there's relations to that yeast, but it hasn't really been mapped before. Huh. And he said it's still fermenting and or still developing, and even in the core room once it's been packaged. So not fermenting, but the the flavour profile is mm. evolving quite interestingly. Each each keg that they tap is quite different. Um, Why did they venture into this? Uh, because they could. Okay, um, that's the that's the uh, the start of every space travel, yeah. space exploration thing. Yeah. Um, but he so Steve is a bit of an adventurer, a bit of a mountain climber. Um, and so he does a lot of foraging, um, harvesting wild yeast. Um, he went, there was an uh, active volcano and he went for a bit of a hike. Um, he's got a cool ship which he travel, takes around the islands huh. um, that it will fit onto a shipping container um, and then he'll set it up somewhere near a live volcano, get someone near closer to the, you know, where he's setting it up to brew some work for him, do a, a yeast capture there um, and then take it back and, and that's very different yeah um, and he does just a lot of work of isolating yeasts and trying to find the right um, strains and you know working out how to get local Hawaiian flavors from you know terroir for, for lack of a bit of a term um, uses a lot of local fruits um, a lot of foraged ingredients uh, the beers I don't think they're super cheap um, like sixty dollars a bottle, fifty dollars a bottle. Are they just being brought in as the part of this junket? Or are uh, they coming yeah, coming regularly. This oh, okay. is through um, Northdown. I forgot their name on the, the chat. I was like, you know, the Edge Brewing people. <laughs> it's Northdown, Northdown. Um, sorry, team. Uh, but the other beers were really interesting, really good, yeah, like nice. legitimately um, thoughtful. You know, you hear someone. Uh, Hawaiian breweries doing a space beer. You think, oh yeah, yeah. But then if you also hear about local, lots of local forage and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Give you a good expression of what you want to do. I I think that that story um, is kind of probably overtaken. Yeah, more about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But you know, Steve was a a really interesting guy. Um, You know, the kind of guy that he paddle boards to work, for example, or kayaks to work some days. Um, You know, then. On the weekends, he'll climb a volcano and harvest yeast. And looks like Rob Lowe. Oh yeah, yeah, probably a little bit. Rob Aloha. Yep. That could be the end of this segment if you want. Yeah. Uh, let's just chuck it to my <laughs> chat with Steve, and we'll come back soon. <laughs> Steve, how's it going? Oh, wonderful. It's been a great trip so far. Um, I've got Steve Humshield. I'm still worried I've got that wrong, even though I think I got it right. <laughs> <laughs> um, from Lanakai Brewing in, in Hawaii. How are you going? Yeah, wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. We've also got a... Or in Hawaii, we would say Akole Maluna, which is bottoms up. Akole Maluna. Akole Maluna. Okay. Cheers. So you're in, in Australia promoting your beer. Yep. Um, there's one beer that I guess is kind of being talked about or pushed in the PR is the space beer. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm sure you've talked about it a lot, but sure. for, for people that haven't or don't know what it is, can you give us kind of the top line summary? Yeah, like the, the quick and dirty, easy answer to that is um, I worked with NASA, the National Aeronautic and Space Association, and uh, captured yeast and bacteria from the stratosphere. So, um, you know, Earth... Uh, Excuse me that I don't know the conversions of whatever they are, but Earth, you know, Earth is Elvis is around you know thirty thousand feet, uh, slightly less than that, and so we were capturing yeast and bacteria between seventy and a hundred thousand feet, which is considered the stratosphere. So that's got a disproportional amount of activities. It was you know of people's knowledge of our brewery. We were featured in Forbes and a few other places as well. Um, so that was kind How of the start of it. How much yeast lives up there? Great question. So, you know, the first thing you have to make the assumption is where does yeast live and what does it live on, right? So in your office right now, there's yeast and bacteria everywhere. It's on your beard, you know, it's on my shirt, it's on my arm. So when when we're looking to capture yeast from space, you have to ask yourself first, where specifically would it exist in space, right? Because it needs a medium. It needs to be on something, right? So... So we explored microcosms, which are like weather, weather patterns within space. So some can be like dust storms and others can be, you know, moisture patterns and ice storms and things like that. 
and made the assumption that that's where they would be, something that they could cling on to. The other assumption you have to make about space is that we know it's under less pressure than it is at Earth, right? As you go down towards sea level and below sea level, you gain pressure. So we knew that these molecules are going to be significantly farther apart the higher you go. So those are the two kind of primary assumptions that we had to make to say, okay, how are we going to start developing this particular process and, and, and getting it and being authentic to it? And so those were the kind of the assumptions that we based the entire project on. Because the first thing a lot of people ask when you're harvesting wild yeast is, how do you know it wasn't contaminated or you didn't get it from somewhere else sure. uh, along the way? How do you know that? Do you know that? <laughs> Um, you know, I don't, I don't think any brewer in the world can say with a hundred percent certainty that there wasn't, you know, when, when you're doing, when you're doing spontaneous cool shipping or cool shipping within your facility or mobile cool shipping or space capture or whatever. I like how you drop space capture in there. Like it's, you know, and space capture. Uh, well, I mean, it is my world, but, um, when you're doing those things, you know, there's, you don't know exactly what's populating it and what you're getting is a mixed mixed population of yeast and bacteria and we're talking about like hundreds and thousands of organisms are going in there and ultimately when they hit your wart when they hit your substrate your substrate is going to select some that are going to do better for it some that want simple sugars or complicated sugars or ph tolerant or hops or whatever and others that aren't good with those things so it's a mix between what your substrate is and what you're capturing and what you're going for if you're going mobile um, and and then you're kind of curbing those populations down and and then once they land into your um, wart it's game of thrones they're they're fighting it out themselves some are going to outcompete others some are smaller and more resilient and able to survive and live and others are bigger and slow to move so they have their own basically fight going on within that population because they all want the food they all want the sugars um so wild yeast capture is something you do outside of the space beer as well yeah um we mostly do wild yeast capture i mean we make clean beers we make wild beers um but you know we've only made one beer from space <laughs> and it, it it has a disproportional amount of attention towards it for obvious reasons yeah. like i mean space is incredible i was so infatuated with space as a boy um, but we in Hawaii, we go Hawaii, what most people don't realize it has 11 of the world's 13 ecosystems. So last week we had a blizzard there and most people don't think in Hawaii that there's snow. Yeah. Is that an unusual blizzard or is it? No, yeah, we have okay. them every year. What most people, when they make an assumption about a tropical Island is they think about the coast. They don't think about the mountains and stuff. And we have very tall mountains mm. in Hawaii. So based on that, we're, we've developed our Hawaiian wild ale program to go into these different um, ecosystems throughout Hawaii, whether that's the volcano or the rainforest or the beach or what have you, and, and try to gather biota from there that we can create authentic Hawaiian ales from. So that's kind of, so our wild, that's, that kind of defines what our wild ale size does, is, is, is mainly aiming towards capturing fermentables in Hawaii. And then our traditional beer side is more focused on local ingredients. Mm -hmm. So things that we source and we forage for, or that we have contracts with farmers or have a harvesting team and a foraging team, like things like that. Hmm. Yeah. Um, let's take a few steps back. So we kind of started at the end here, but um, <laughs> how, did, how, did, how long have you been going and, and how did the, the brewery come about? About four and a half years. Um, when I love to travel. And I, one of the, my favorite things to do when I travel is eat whatever the local cuisine is. And it's obvious that whatever local alcohol goes to that cuisine, they belong together. They have a history of however many years of being together. So when I first was interested in developing Lanikai, what I thought didn't exist was an authentic Hawaiian beer. And, you know, our, there's a lot of great beer in Hawaii that's made there. But to me, making an IPA in Hawaii doesn't, necessarily make it a Hawaiian IPA. So I wanted to get another layer deeper and really try to create an authentic Hawaiian ale and source our ingredients using, you know, local sources and and then when we run out of those things, then we just discontinue that beer. Mm. And they're seasonal and you know, you could have a great growing season or you could have a terrible one and that can that flavor or the terroir can be reflected within that beer. Mm. So we sought to create a company around that. 
So that's what we do that I think is slightly different than what many other people do. Mm. Um, what was your background before? Um, a lot. I'm mixed, you know, I was an expedition guide for a very long time, guiding some of the highest mountains in the world. And I was a, a biologist, so studying endangered sea turtles or teaching biology at the university or whatever it could be. So kind of a mix, mostly mm. science and adventure, I'd say would be the two common threads mm. of where I came from. That's what beer's about, isn't it? Science and adventure? It fits perfect. It's, I mean, it's, if you can go forage for your own ingredients and then use a scientific process to make a beer out of that, mm. that is the love of everything that I have together in one. Um, tell me about some native ingredients because it's something that's um, taking off in Australia here, people starting to yeah. realise that there's incredible ingredients sure. uh, around. What's some of the exciting things that you can go forage for that... Oh man, I, we're, we're really blessed because we do have all these climates. So we have everything from, you know, fruits like, you know, mango, papaya, guava, um, pineapple, coconut, your usual suspects that everybody would think about. But we also have roots that are native to Hawaii off of, you know, trees and ferns that grow. We have a lot of flowers that we work with that are there as well. So, I mean, there's just a variety in, in you know, whether it's turmeric or ginger, like we just are blessed with all these awesome things to work with um different sorts of turmeric and ginger than you'd get in the supermarket or the, the market are they yeah we, we go straight to the farmers or we like i said we work with like foragers or have a foraging team that's that's out there doing it on their own cool. and then you know we're buying it from them the other thing that we really work with hard is local farmers and what we do it's slightly different than many other people globally is we we want the farmers to make them as much as they can off of their crop so if they have a great season this year of whatever their crop is and they can sell it to the expensive markets and their grade A, we want them to do that. But we just kind of sit on the back burner and just they call us and say, hey, I have a thousand pounds of mango that's going gonna, gonna to turn. It's going to go rotten. And we get that. So we get the grade B stuff because it doesn't matter what it looks like to us. It matters the taste. And then we're able to work with our local farmers and provide revenue to them so it wouldn't be totally lost revenue because otherwise it would go into compost. Mm. And then we're able to create beers and products out of that. So that, those are some of the ways that we focus on those ingredients. Um, mango season's just kind of kicking off here in Australia. Yep. Um, and man, I love mango. Yeah. Good mango, I don't think there's a bit of food. It's so good. It's perfect. It's a great, it's like, if you had three ingredients that you could only have in the rest of your life, mango would have to be one of mine. Yeah. <laughs> you might be struggling to make beer with three ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> um, how about hops and, and grain? Can you source that locally or is that, does that still have to come from? Yeah, there's, um, there's some local rice and there's some local corn, but Hawaii doesn't fit in the grape grain belt. And and then also when you grow grain, the second thing that most people realize, you know, you need a maltster that's going to process it. And same with hops, you need somebody that's going to process it and freeze it. So those are massive industries that you have to build around centers. And, and Hawaii, the land cost of Hawaii to like have a, like a wheat farm mm. it would be astronomical. So those, a lot of those ingredients that we do have to bring in, like different hops and different, some of the other things. Yeah. Um, Whereabouts in Hawaii? I, I don't know anything about Hawaii. I've never okay. been there. Uh, my geography in general is pretty terrible, even for Australia and yep. New Zealand, where I'm from. Um, yeah, what's the? Where are you sort of situated in the in the greater scheme of Hawaii? So there's a number of um, Hawaii's an island state. I know that much. Okay, there's multiple <laughs> islands yeah, yeah, yeah. that. Okay, cool. <laughs> so the island that we're on is the same island that has Waikiki Beach and Diamond Head and Pearl Harbor. So those are probably okay. and it's the um, capital of the state and it's where the majority of the people live and the majority of the people visit uh, and then everything else is like different neighbor islands that different so we're on the east side of that island about 30 to 35 minutes outside of that major city in a very very small beach town and mm. the beach town it's called Kailua and within that is one of those beaches is called Lani Kai which is our brand name and Lani means heaven and Kai means sea so it's where the heaven meets the sea and we just live in a, you know, there's maybe 30 or 40,000 people in our town and there's no hotels. So we, we, have, we live in a community and I can bike to work or I can stand up paddle to work. And okay. so it's a very, we live in a, just a really special area that's really beautiful and, 
and uh, you know it's growing there's things that are growing and changing of course like any community but we're very fortunate to have the one that we have who's we when you say we we I guess number one would be my community like you know we're I, I built a brewery to you know honor everybody that lives there and of course my wife my kids my family and then my partner in the brewery as well awesome. yeah um, I want to hear about the community around you um, yeah are they receptive to not only beer, but I guess doing wild ales or, or you know, using native bacteria? The beers can be a little bit unusual. Um, Good word. Uh, you know, I guess for most people as well, you know, people that aren't ready for that, they might sure. go lager and maybe, you know, pale ale. Yeah. How do they go with, with your beers? Yeah. Um, so when you compare it to the U.S. mainland, uh, you know, which um, Hawaii is five, ten years behind that. So... You know, just a few years ago, we were the first sour brewer in the state. You know, in the U.S. mainland, like, kettle sours are fairly common. Mm. You know, it's an everyday beer. So it took a little while to get our community and our state to really kind of adapt into new beer styles. It was mostly green bottle beers at that time. Um, But now I think a lot of people come to us as an experimental brewery. And since they come to us, we spend a lot of time with them and share what our process is. We're really open about what we source, what we share, and when they taste the new beers. And when, when we launched the Hawaiian Wild Ales, you know, we had an event around it really just to explain people what we did and, and why it's worthy of trying. And, you know, if you don't like it, great. You don't have to like it. But here are the flavors that you should go for. And then that's why they're different than, you know, if you're an IPA drinker, you know, these are going to be drier and crisper and maybe funk and whatever else. And this is what you should expect out of drinking this particular style of beer. So it was a mix between us introducing what our style, what a wild ale is to people on a generic level, and then explaining what our wild ales are. So we had kind of a double team. So we do that in a small batch. We did that initially at our brewery. It's closely held where we could spend time with our customers and just share with them the knowledge and the pictures and things of how we did it. And um, I think a lot of people come to us to taste the experiments in the in the local flavors mm. yeah um having a, a small tap room or a tap room helps have that experience um when you're entering a market outside of hawaii um australia for example is that are you sort of conscious of being able to then tell your story outside of the four walls of your, your brewery um I try, you know, we do the best that you can when you, when you, when a consumer picks up your beer, whether it's a bottle on the shelf or whatever, you, you have a limited amount of time to engage that consumer and to tell your story. And our story is complicated because it uses forged local ingredients and wild yeast or space or whatever is on there. And it's really hard to explain that as a narrative on the side of a bottle. Mm. So we do have some difficulty with that. Um, but ultimately what we're really sharing is our version of what we believe to be an authentic Hawaiian ale. And when, uh, you know, a lot of people look at Hawaii as a brand and see Hawaii and have been there or have a desire to go there, have seen pictures or whatever, and just like, oh, cool. I want to I know what a beer tastes like from there. Mm. And so, you know, our goals are just to, we're not here to compete against local breweries doing their thing. We're just trying to come in as a Hawaiian brand. And that's what we are. And, you know, and, and so I think those things, um, they're serendipitous in a lot of ways, but ultimately, you know, if there's a region people want to travel to, then then they're going to try to experience those beers or at least give them a sample and give them a go. Mm. Yeah. Um, how did the partnership with Edge come about there? Or yeah, What's the name of the distributor? Edge? Uh, Northdown. Northdown, that's it. Yeah, sorry, sorry, and then guys. The, the brewery arm of Northdown yeah, is com- Edge. Completely blank there. I was just chatting to Michelle, and in my mind she's from Edge, but it's Northdown. Yeah, Northdown. Um, how did this come about? How did that start? So um, through, you know, a lot of Australians do go to Hawaii. It's, you know, we're both islands. We're one flight away, you know, we're the next island over, technically. <laughs> so we get a lot of Australians that come in. And, and so I've met a lot of them and I spend time with our customers. I care about all of them. And we had some, you know, every brewery has super fans. And we had a couple of super fans that said, I'd love to see you in Australia and made some introductions. And, and ironically, uh, Adam and Michelle were going to be in Hawaii like, you know, a month later, two months later. Mm. So we talked about distribution and talked about those things, but ultimately said, hey, let's just meet. Let's have some beers. Let's make a beer and let's start things there. And, you know, they arrived and I got to meet them. And it was, I mean, it's like we're kindred spirits in a lot of ways. We're, 
we have a lot of similar approaches towards beer and our markets and our countries and things that we want to do. And, you know, we spent a couple days just cruising the island and, you know, took them to the farm to go pick fruits and, you know, to my favorite places to eat. And, um, you know, just kind of built a friendship around it. And then when I came here and have been here a little time, they've done the exact same thing back to me. Awesome. So sharing their favorite bars and areas and foods and stuff, it's just, it's, you know, I think all beer is built out of friendship. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your favorite places to eat? When, when, if I ever go, what's the one restaurant I need to go to? In Hawaii? Yeah. Oh, it's not even a restaurant. Okay. It is. <laughs> if you, if you looked at, if you drove up to this place from the outside, you would turn away and be like, no way am I going to buy anything from there. Okay. And it's a, it's a really kind of rundown looking market grocery store. And then you go inside and they just have the most amazing fresh fish. And they, they, in Hawaii, we have what's called poke. It's like cubed fresh tuna yep. or ahi. And then it's, it's been done badly so many places here in Australia. Yeah, it's been done badly a lot of places. So that's to me, that plus mango with this local, um, uh, it's called lihing. It's a, it's a salted plum spice. Oh, nice. Yep. And that's, that is every time I go surf, that is the meal that I want before or after. Like, that's what I crave. Excellent. And I mean, we have great restaurants, you know, we have Asian infused cuisine and, and kind of a melting pot of Roy's and Alan Wong's and extraordinarily high end ones. But I'm happy to just eat like good tacos yeah. and I'll take anything. I'll take, you know, three star Michelin or I'll take a street taco. The, the one you described sounds exactly where I want to eat. Yeah, yeah. The underground places that you can't find. Right. There's a place here um, that I went to recently. It's in a car park. Looks, looks like almost like a. I know, toll booth in the car park um, and it's one of the best Thai restaurants you eat at um, they specialise in, in boat noodles uh, oh, yeah. and they started just doing one dish wow. in this tiny space um, Soy 38 for the listeners if they Soy 38 okay yeah, great SOI uh, I might be pronouncing it wrong um, but yeah yeah there's, there's another tip there's a, a similar tip for you yeah <laughs> I, want, I want places that don't have phone numbers that don't answer their phone that don't yeah. have social media like those are the places that I seek. So that yeah. sounds perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Coming back to the space beer, because um, you're speaking of your sort of locals and, and the people that come into your brewery. And um, yep. it's my understanding that it was, I guess, the idea was in conjunction with some locals. The space beer? Yeah. Um, locals being NASA. Okay. Yeah. I, the story that I read made it sound like, oh, I guess, two NASA guys that drank at your bar. Um, yeah. I, so, you know, whatever, how the story evolves is how the story evolves. But. I'm glad yeah, I ulti- asked <laughs> Ultimately, yeah, I, I had an opportunity to, I, I did meet some friends from NASA and ultimately one guy that connected me to a bunch of other NASA folks. And um, when, when I was interested in, in making space yeast, <laughs> capturing it, yeah. go for it, whatever you want to say for so, it. So this was an idea that you had before? No, yeah, okay. no, it was something out of this. Like okay, I, yeah. I, had met, I had met a friend on a, on a running race we became friends and he had formerly, you know, he had retired from NASA mm. and I was like, Oh, I want to, I want to make some space yeast. <laughs> like, you know, when you learn from each other and you have a chance to yeah. ask each other questions, you're like, okay, I'm from this region or I know these people. And you know, you eventually build relationships. Right. So he and I had spent some time just talking and whatever else. And then, you know, I, I learned where he was from the jobs that he did. And I was like, dude, there's gotta be yeast up there. Let's do it. And then ultimately he was like, no, 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 you're not, you're not actually serious. And cause we didn't know each other that well. Yeah. And then, you know, ultimately a couple of years later, he messaged me and said, Hey, a bunch of, a bunch of my colleagues are going to be in your bar from NASA. Um, they're interested in your project. Do you want to meet them? I'm like, heck, heck yeah. <laughs> Number one, I want to meet him because who gets a chance to meet people that like fly yeah. outside the earth's atmosphere. Like, I, I was infatuated that as a boy. Like I think a lot of children are, so I wanted to just meet people that do that and learn and share. And, and then, yeah, and so I asked him about this project and we just got deeper and deeper and deeper into the night and we kept talking and then ultimately we decided just to do it and found a way to do it with scientific integrity and to see, okay, what do we do? And, and I think ultimately it's like anything else, we made the assumption we were gonna fail. Because mm. the likelihood of this succeeding was just really low. It's a lottery ticket, right? Mm. It's really low. But we just said, okay, well, would, who cares if we fail? Like, 
right? Let's just go for it. Yeah. It's like dating. You have to ask, right? And so, and so we did, and then it it didn't fail. It it, it was we were very lucky that ultimately it worked, and you know that drove the process and and meeting these great minds and working with these people is just you know I I don't know how it was me that was given this opportunity. <laughs> by the cosmos or whatever it was, but I was. And, you know, and we took it and we ran with it and knowing we were likely to fail. And there's just a sliver of a chance and that sliver of chance made itself out. Did you get to visit NASA offices or NASA? Not yet. Okay. No, no, yeah. We, uh, we brewed only one batch. It was released for the 50th anniversary of the moon landing. Oh, okay. But we didn't, we had some uncertainty on whether it could be packaged or captivity or how it was going to survive or taste or anything. Mm. And we only had one shot to make it. So we didn't have a chance to experiment with it. Mm. So now that we've gone through that and we've spent a couple months like testing it and bottle conditioning and things like that. Um, now we know it can survive those conditions. So now we're going to scale it up. Cool. And with that, I'll be, going obviously yeah i'm taking bottles to those guys do you get to go look at rockets is my question really (laughs) yeah i do okay i do i I, i've been granted an amazing experience and shared pictures from space and things that are just like out of their private collectives that uh, you know again it's just been an honor to be part of that whole process It's, it's so rad so cool uh listeners will know i also do a a conspiracy podcast um, where we, we discuss what's well, a skeptics podcast about conspiracies. Um, sure. So what what are the, what are in these photos that you saw? Anything? <laughs> any tips for the conspiracy podcast? Oh no! I mean, there's no like there's no like ETs or there's no like just, alien. just just wink when you when you're saying it if it's true. Thank you. Yeah, there you All go. Right, there go. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're almost coming up to time, and I know you've got to run down and do an event. Um, can you tell me what beers are going to be available in Australia and uh, how widely available, if you know that? Sure. Um, so for our very first shipment, we sent over one clean ale, which is a chocolate, creamy coconut uh, imperial stout made with the number one chocolate in the world, grown in Hawaii. And then it uses coconuts that from a friend of mine that has a tree trimming business. So I get his coconuts and then we hand toast them. And that's kind of a, there's a dessert in Hawaii that's like a creamy coconut pie. So we made a chocolate creamy coconut pie beer to honor that traditional dessert. Yum. So that's our cleanest ale. And then everything else is our wild ale series. So we have yeast strains that we got from the volcano during eruption of the last couple of years. And so we have beers that highlight that using, you know, lychee. We have beers using upcountry Maui strawberries that we forged for. And then, you know, strains from mango skins. So most of what we have over here are wild ales. Cool. Predominantly because those can handle pretty rough shipment conditions and between obviously Hawaii and Australia, the ocean's pretty rough. Yeah. So yeah. we wanted to make sure let's let's give the ones that can handle brutal ocean conditions first. And and honestly, like I don't want to send an IPA down here that's been on a ship for forty days. I'm a believer that whatever IPA you're drinking should be as close to the source as possible. So we're sending beers that I think are unique, that aren't designed to compete against any Australian brewer. They're designed to highlight flavors of Hawaii. Hmm. That's what we've sent sent down so far. They're currently in Sydney, Melbourne, uh, Perth, and Brisbane, or they're available, I guess, to order that are in those areas. And then my next stop after Melbourne is Perth, or I'm sorry, is Brisbane. Cool. Yeah. So that's uh, Friday. I have an event Friday there. Awesome. Yeah. I like Brisbane. And the beer scene in the Brisbane has just taken off. I can't wait. Um, yeah, it's a good place to be. Uh, head up North Town if you want some of these beers. I'm kind of interested. I've got more questions about the volcano <laughs> now. Um, but I think, I don't know, maybe I'm going to have to come visit one day. And I would love it. Please come. Now you have a reason. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Perfect excuse. <laughs> no, no other reason to go to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, just the beer, obviously, yeah. right? Not the, not the active volcano or the yeah. beaches or the... <laughs> You know, the bikinis on the beach, it's, it's, it's all the... Yeah, there. just yeah. the wild owls. Yeah, all totally. I'm interested in. <laughs> uh, Steve, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, enjoy the rest of your trip. Thank you. Cheers. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Welcome back. Welcome, yeah. Uh, We've refreshed ourselves. Yeah, what have we got here, Dave? We've got, uh, I mean... Again, from Red Hill Brewery, we've got the Temptation. Which can you think of any uh, any Belgian style beers that have been produced longer than this one? 
De Saison from Bridge Road. Uh, I'm I'm going to assume that you mean in Australia. Yeah, yeah, sorry. (laughs) I I think Um, I said it in my head and it didn't come out of my mouth, yeah. Uh, Maybe bits and pieces around. Nothing that... um, you know, leaps out. I guess. Yeah, and it's all. It's been. It's been great for a long time. They've, um, interestingly enough, on this little, uh, on the side of the the bottle. This one's in a bottle. Um, it's got like hops. Uh, and it's got the character, uh, Belgian yeast, the mash temp, IBU, uh, mold ingredient, and then rapid ferment temp rise. So there, yeah, is a little bit of insight into how they how they make it. Um, which is relevant you know the the ferment temperature rise the fact that they've done that is relevant to home brewers and brewers but you know so it's interesting they've included that yeah i like it i like it i'm certainly not knocking it yeah i think for a while like there was a bit of a a wave of the brands putting heaps and heaps of information on the labels and i don't know if it was that helpful but Mm. like it's still nice to sort of see a little bit of that yeah, yeah, sure. Eight and a half percent Belgian uh, strong golden style. It's always been a, a, a cracker. Uh, just on that, um, and I'll, I'll lead into my recommendation uh, sure. with this conversation. Um, Forty-one grams per liter was on the side of a can that I had from mm-hmm. Tallboy and Moose and Deeds. I think yep. it was brewed at Deeds. So uh, I think Deeds have done this with a couple of releases, putting their grams per liter of, yeah. of dry hop. That's a bit of a uh, Show off factor at the moment. Yeah, yeah. and I didn't realise that we were doing it. Um, apparently, Cloudwater in the US do it. Uh, sorry, UK, in the UK do, do it, it. Yeah, or right. have done it in the past, and maybe not anymore. Uh, Forty-one grams per liter is a lot. It's a lot of hops. Um, I remember Chris from Mr. Banks was telling us that I think he had a different. He had it there birthday beer in the tank that had more hops, but up to that point, we we had one of his beers. It might have been the drop beer that had twenty-five grams mm. per liter, and mm. that, that was a huge amount. So forty-one. Uh, interestingly enough, it was a really nice beer for a little bit. Right, um, you could tell it was well made. You know, the, the it was actual, in those tall, it was in those tall cans, though, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah, by the end, tough, yeah. I was just like, "This is just raw hop juice." Yeah, um, it was actually quite unpleasant. Um, people enjoy it. That's certainly not my kind of thing. Sure. Um, the, and the other beers that I had from them uh, were lovely. They sent a, a little five pack to my house of different beers, uh, but yeah, the that and there's another one that was i think 25 grams per liter of, of dry hop um ah, it's kind of unpleasant to me at that point that's the trend at the moment though isn't it yeah yeah and you know i don't know i don't want to be the oh hazies Ooh. which people think i am i guess i've probably bought it on myself by saying Ooh, hazies. Yeah. <laughs> but like besides that though it's everyone else's projections though yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah that was both quite incredibly just overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, but my recommendation, God, this is so lame, um, the Deeds Draft. So it's their kind of, um, it's almost a, a take on Corona in the sense of... Oh, right. It's that kind of... Yeah, it's yeah, really okay. light, really easy drinking, and it's got, um, like, you would swear there was citrus in there. I think they've used maize, which I think does give a citrusy flavour, um, and whatever hops they're using... Um, it comes across sort of lime and, and uh, lemony and stuff. Yeah, right. And it was that's interesting. After a raw hop juice can, perfect. Yeah, this was yeah more of that please. Um, so that was in tins. Yeah, that was in tins. Um, da- Dan, friend of ours at Otis Promise, said um, he quite often has that one on and moves through it pretty quickly. Yeah, right. Um, he's also a big fan. He says that that sells a lot, and that's l- local. Yeah, Ooh, just it? down yeah. the road, yeah. That's fine. Uh, yeah, but, you know... It, Deeds draft. Deeds are certainly getting, and we've been we're hoping to maybe get a chat with them soon, yeah. um, grabbing a lot of attention for their beers. People are really enjoying what they're doing, yeah. um, particularly in that, in that... They're on the haze tray. Yeah, 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 but, you know, beers like the, the draft. And I guess the underlying base beers of those beers were good. Like, it's certainly, you know, there wasn't a hop burn, there wasn't a yeast bite, there wasn't all those things. That it was just a shitload of hops, yeah. Just too many, <laughs> too yeah. many goddamn hops. Uh, That's wreck, though. But yeah, Deeds Draft, check it out. It, yeah. um, when you're picking up, because those hazies aren't cheap as well. They're like $16, $17 a can for yeah, some. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of hops again. Yeah, yeah, yeah the ingredients uh, warrant it. Um, but, so, you know, adding a can of draft into your bloody mixed six-pack isn't going to... It's going to bring your average down. Everyone's yeah. happy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
uh, it'll be a good pellet. How many cleanse. grams per liter is in the draft? I would probably say half a gram. Yeah, okay. uh, <laughs> If they're doing any <laughs> dry hop at all. Uh, I think the grass per litre is all about the dry hop. Maybe it means from Whirlpool onwards. I don't know how they measure it, but there would be no bettering hops in there. Yeah, right. No 60-minute additions. No more 60-minute fucking hop additions for anyone. I guess not. It's, if, you can't, if you can't use those hops to brag on your label about how many grams per litre, then what's the point of you having hops? Remind me to tell you a secret about Australian Ooh. beer, about how many grams per litre they actually use. Okay. I can't, Am I going to care I'm, that much? Yeah, it's interesting. Okay. Uh, I don't know why I said it on microphone. Okay. I know something about a beer that I can't share. Don't know. <laughs> right. uh, my rec is going to be actually be the Red Hill Temptation. It's bloody lovely, I, isn't it? Yeah, and I mentioned to you when you pulled it out that a couple of weekends ago we were we were down that way and stopped in and actually got a bottle of this and it really reminded me that it's such a bloody well-executed beer that it has been for a long time. I didn't like it when I first had it, but that was because I didn't know what I was doing. Um, 2012 era, Dave, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but earlier even. Um, so, yeah, as soon as I sort of like developed my palate a little bit, I got back into it and I thought, good Lord, this is fantastic. You went looking for the gin barrel version? Yeah, that was a very, very popular version, maybe, th- what, three, four, five years ago yeah. even perhaps? Yeah. Um, and that really like, that the, the gin barrel really like, played up all the strengths of the base beer and it made it zing. Mm, um, so mm. I was looking for that if they had it, but they didn't. So I got the regular one instead. And I actually am sort of glad I got that one anyway, because it's well, just... I wonder where they got gin barrels back then. Because barrel-aged gins aren't certain, are certainly not a popular thing. Yeah, and, true. And even now, like, I can think of three or four you can maybe get regularly. Yeah, are there any distilleries down that way that I'm not thinking of? Not that they were around back then. Yeah, anyway. yeah. No. Interesting. Um, Cedar Fox do a lovely barrel gin. I like their regular gin. Shout out to Cedar Fox. Where are they based? They're in Coburg. They don't mm. have a tasting room or anything, but it's um, Westy who used to work at, uh, Craig West that used to work at Mountain Goat mm-hmm. and he worked at Starwood and now he's on his own doing this um, and his wife, Ran. Um, they're really lovely people and their, their gin is like really simple, you know, they're not pushing the botanicals up, and it's just lovely. Awesome. I'll keep an eye out for another it. little recommendation for you. Yeah, very good. That, eh? um, I had a bratwurst this morning, Dave. Yep. It was good. I had. This is, at the market? Yeah. So uh, the bratwurst shop at the Queen Duke Market is famous. Yep. Um, but there's, there's a lot of sauces on their menu, and I think yep. a lot of people don't realize how many sauces there are. You kind of get overwhelmed. It's quite a busy little space. Uh, so I know... The best order. Yeah. You want to hear the best order? Hit me. I mean, I know it. I read your story from okay. earlier, but go for <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, spicy bratwurst. Yeah. Uh, look, you can get mild if you're not a big fan of spicy. Uh, that's not going to change it too much. Uh, gherkin relish, curry ketchup, little bit of sauerkraut. Yep. You so got. You got to really say. Hey, yeah. Just give me a so little time. Those that know that shop, if you just order a brat with sauerkraut, you are getting a mountain of sauerkraut. Yeah. On that. It's going to make it a challenging bite, and it gets too much. The sauerkraut isn't. You know, it's not amazing sauerkraut. Yeah. It's just kind of. It's just a little fine. bit of acid to your yeah. um, fatty a, snack. Yeah. A little bit of that, really, just those sauces. That does sound like a great combo. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not taking any discussion. Someone me- messaged me and they're like, "Oh, the the combination of these sources is better." I'm like, I'm "Not even reading that." Yeah, yeah, this this isn't this isn't a discussion. I'm saying yeah. this is the best. Yeah. I found the best thing. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think? Well, what are you doing? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, go get one of those bloody bratwurst. When I saw that, I was like, "God damn it, I want that." It was yeah. so good. Yeah. Oh man, and we're there in the mornings quite frequently. And the last two or three weeks, I've been like, "Oh, I really want to get a bratwurst," but it's just a little bit too early feel like, a, you know, 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. Yeah, but I mean... Man, it was good. The morning after Mate Fest, that is the time yeah. for an early morning bratwurst. Yeah, get on board the bratwurst. Very good. What do you got? Uh, I'm going with... Uh, I'm going to touch back on a previous recommendation uh, that I made probably a couple of years ago. I'm going with... The latest uh, instalment of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History is out. Mm. Supernova in the East Part 3. If, you're, if you have any interest at all in like, uh, anything to do with the World War II or uh, the history of Japan or you just listen to parts 1 and 2, 
number three is out and it's great um yeah i mean it's a good it's pretty much focusing on uh the japanese efforts in world war Two mm. and uh branches on and off from that pretty frequently but it's a great installment i would highly recommend going and giving it a listen all right good one yeah and if you haven't listened to it at all listen to one and two first yeah okay you don't want to jump in i mean you could easily but it'll just be more of a rich experience if you listen to one and two first yeah i like it yeah uh thanks from to steve from uh Linakai brewing and thanks to the north down team for up the interview nice Thanks, Dave, for, nice, for joining the podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Oh, well. We're going to go to Molly Rose, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. Bye. Bye.